Construction and the Climate, five highlights. Welcome to Construction and the Climate. This is a podcast series from 39 Essex Chambers with me, Camilla Tahar and Ruth Keating. In this podcast series, we'll be discussing the big climate issues affecting the construction sector. Hi, Camilla. For a change today, we're recording a podcast with just the two of us. The reason for that, of course, is that it's always great to speak to you, but also because some of our listeners will be aware that we've now launched this new podcast, Construction and the Climate. So we're taking this opportunity to look back on the 10 great episodes we've had with a variety of guests and look at five highlights that we've seen from those 10 episodes we've had so far in the series. Well, one that strikes me is that litigation is reactive, but contractual changes can be proactive. And as you'll remember, we kicked off our podcast with a fascinating episode with Becky Anderson of the Chancery Lane Project, who has a wealth of knowledge for the model clauses that the Chancery Lane Project draft. And what I thought was really interesting was that Becky emphasised that many lay clients will have made public climate commitments without necessarily having fully considered how those commitments are going to be made a reality. But if those voluntary pledges are signed up to and then reflected in contractual undertakings, that's one way of making sure those pledges are prioritised by the value chain. And what I also think is crucial is thinking about the real balance to be achieved in how we approach these contractual opportunities. In other words, do parties treat them as sticks or as carrots? And that's something that Jeremy Glover brought out very eloquently in our discussion. What's required to reach net zero and have carbon neutral buildings is ingenuity and creativity. And this can often be brought about by having an incentive system under the contract. Essentially, we need to encourage creativity, but not stifle it with risk. I think that balance, Camilla, that you spoke about there is really key in that area, but it also emerges, I think, in a lot of other areas we've discussed. So one big area I thought where that came to the fore was greenwashing. So, of course, we had our chat that we did ourselves and we also have the second chat that we did with Miles Lockwood of the Advertising Standards Authority. And I thought what came out really clear there was that you have this tension between, on the one hand, a company wanting to lead the way in terms of signalling to the market, we are making our way to net zero or carbon neutrality or any number of claims. But then on the other hand, they need to make sure that those claims are accurate and they also need to make sure that if they're accurate, they're evidence-based. And what I found fascinating was when we spoke to Miles, he gave the example of the decision of the ASA on e-scooters and that if the language had been different in the example of e-scooters, then the decision might have been different. So he said, rather than saying something is environmentally friendly, why don't you say it's environmentally friendlier? So I think what it's always saying is there's a real balance there to be achieved. And as he said, I think the key is to be precise, qualify the claim and have evidence and avoid that tendency. I think many of us have to be a little perhaps excited sometimes or hyperbolic or overly broad brush and particularly true in an area like construction. I think that came out very clearly. So I know, Camilla, we've discussed, you know, walking around London, you see these broad claims of an eco build or a carbon neutral building. And those claims are great if they are true and they are accurate. And importantly, if they can be evidenced, but serious thought needs to be given to that. And on that point of evidencing claims, I found the conversation that we had with Victoria Burroughs of the World Green Building Council enlightening, in particular her emphasis on really accelerating actions and that it isn't going to be enough for a building to be just a little greener. She also spoke about something she called the ambition loop. She explained what that was by saying, yeah, the industry needs better regulation, but that's not going to happen overnight. So as a result, Victoria explained that at the time she was working with people to provide 
good examples from industry, which can then be scaled up across industry and also through regulation. So fundamentally, all of those efforts are ultimately aimed at having better buildings and being able to evidence that. I totally agree with that, Camilla. And I think what it's hard to get away from, of course, as barristers, is the fact of how do all of these points that we've discussed then interact with the litigation that arises. So, of course, we've already had two discussions on that with the LSE Grantham Institute on two occasions, first with Joanna Setzer and then with Tiffany Chan. No doubt, I'm sure we'll ask them back on again when they have their new report. But I think both of those conversations are really interesting for slightly different reasons. So with Joanna, she really highlighted you have an increasing number of cases being brought against private actors. Now, traditionally, those have been the carbon majors. But what she highlighted is you're increasingly seeing these cases being brought against different kinds of companies. So she gave the example, of course, of fossil fuel companies, no doubt a target for these kinds of litigation, but also food, agriculture, transport, plastics and finance. And her view certainly was that those trends are going to continue into the construction sector. What I thought was really interesting then as a development was when we spoke to Tiffany. So that was just a couple of months later. And she, of course, had the benefit of going through their most recent reports and the cases. But she had one case come in, I'm sure you remember it, that I thought was fascinating. So the case brought by the four residents of the Parry Island in Indonesia. And that case, of course, being brought against the world's biggest cement producer, Wholesome. Now, that case is fascinating because that case is being brought for historic CO2 emissions. They've obviously brought the case in Switzerland because that's where the company is headquartered. But the basis of the claim essentially is to say that Wholesome's contribution has been 7 billion tonnes of CO2 since 1950, and that accounts for 0.42% of global industrial CO2 emissions. So it's a good example of having the conversation with Joanna and the narrative having already moved on by the time we have the conversation with Tiffany. And also reflected then in the point Tiffany said when she said this year, 54% of cases were filed against governments, which is a lot, but traditionally those cases were brought against governments not private actors. So we're already starting to see that balance tilt. And I think the combination of their two conversations really shows the relevance of all of these points for construction sector clients and the increasing relevance that it's going to have. Yes, I agree. And a a theme across the board that we've observed is the need to ensure that relevant expertise exists in the sector and across the sector. So one conversation we had was with Jessica Crow, an arbitrator, we also know this from a conversation we had with law firm partner Tiong Tech Wee. He's increasingly asked to advise on arbitrations in this area. And when we spoke to Jessica, she highlighted that even with the benefits that can be offered by arbitration, often arbitral decisions are confidential between parties. And there isn't the same concept of precedent that we have in litigation. So that's why the appointment of arbitrators with specific expertise is so important. But related to that, is the theme of education in the construction sector itself. And it's been a pretty consistent drumbeat of messages that our guests have given us. Given that 80% of buildings for 2050 exist today, there's not only an enormous challenge to upgrade current building stock, but also the need to consider in the first instance, the repurposing of existing fabric rather than demolishing it. Now that's a big topic and the challenges and opportunities around retrofitting in an area that we're going to dedicate some time in forthcoming episodes. But what we found is Stephen Hodder really brought out in in his episode was the challenge of upskilling the industry and the amount of resources there are out there to do that, including the CIC Climate Action Plan. But a real issue that came out in that conversation and relates back to Ruth, what you said about greenwashing, is that the industry needs to to improve on post-occupancy evaluation. One thing to design a building to net zero, but work needs to be done to ensure that the building is ultimately performing 
to how it's meant to perform. I entirely agree, Camilla. And as you say, we're going to have whole pieces around retrofitting. It's a huge topic. And I think that's the key is the knowledge and evidence-based approach that needs to be developed as an answer to all of these problems. But what personally I have found very heartening and I've really appreciated over the 10 conversations we've had is that I think there is room for optimism. So, of course, when we started with the idea of this podcast, we thought, you know, the environment and construction sector accounts for 38% of global carbon emissions. It's huge. But what that also means, and it's really the second point, is that the building sector is very well positioned to have a significant impact on emission reductions. And what really comes through with all of our guests, I think, is that the desire is there and the knowledge is there to have that impact. But it's often about sharing it. And so we hope that this podcast provides some space for a bit of that sharing that needs to take place. I'm really looking forward to the next podcast episodes we have lined up. And the next ones include insurance and retrofitting. So really important topics for the sector. Thank you to our listeners for listening. At 39 Essex Chambers, we cover a vast array of practice areas and sectors. You can find out more about our expertise and our barristers at 39essex.com, where you can also see our extensive catalogue of articles, podcasts and webinars. Thank you.